from the start And I don't want to fight you anymore So take this rebel heart and make it yours Father, I no longer want to run You've broken my resistance with your love Drowned it underneath the crimson spill So bend this rebel heart into your will I give it over to you I give it over to you Love is like an arrow straight and true this rebel heart belongs to you Help me lay the rent against the rest Turn this stone inside me back to flesh Hold me till my best defenses fall Watch this rebel heart surrender all I give it over to you I give it over to you Your love is like an arrow straight and true Now this rebel heart belongs to you say chase the lion lion. amen well that's mark batterson he's the guy that wrote the book chase the lion 
or in a pit with a lion on a snowy day that we read in preparation for revival and also continuing to read as a way of continuation of revival. And so this morning, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 30. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 30, as we continue our series on lion chasers. Now, when we say uh, for the purpose of this series of sermons, Lions are God-ordained opportunities. Everybody say opportunities. opportunities. Yeah, they're God-ordained opportunities that we chase after to bring God glory. They're ways that we have of loving God, loving each other, and bringing God glory. And uh, we call them lions in this series because sometimes those opportunities are uh, a little scary, sometimes a little intimidating, sometimes they're outside of our comfort zone. Uh, oftentimes that's how you know it's God when it's outside of your comfort zone. How many of you have found that to be true? Say Amen. All right, so let's look at what um, we're going to do this week. Next week may be the last series. It'll be the last chapter of the book, by the way. And so uh, finish your book up this week, and um, we'll be talking about Benaiah at least one more week. So look at 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 30. Benaiah, a Pirithonite, Hedaiah from the brooks of Gash. Some of your favorite scriptures, probably. Some of that's probably a lot of you. That's probably your favorite scripture. You probably... Uh, never heard of a guy named uh, George Shotgun Shuba. Anybody ever heard of George Shotgun Shuba? Nobody, yeah. George Shotgun Shuba. George Shotgun Shuba was a professional baseball player. He wasn't great, but he was good enough to play professional baseball. He was born on December 13th, 1924 in Youngstown, Ohio, and um, grew up playing baseball, loved to play baseball. And as I said, he was, he was pretty good. He was good enough to play professional baseball in those days. His... Um, uh, he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Some of you can remember back or you've read about the Brooklyn Dodgers, had a great team for a while, but uh, George was just kind of an okay guy. He batted 259, as most of you who play baseball know, that's kind of a so-so batting average. He played in just like 355 games, which is not a lot over a career. A third of his appearances was as a pinch hitter. So he didn't even start uh, all the time. So he's just kind of an average guy, average baseball player. After his uh, retirement, and by the way, he counted the games to make sure he could retire. These were days before there were the million, multi-million dollar salary. This is back in 1940s, okay? So the salaries weren't nearly as big. He wanted that retirement. After he got, got enough time, playing time in to get his pension from, from professional baseball, moved back home. Worked for the U.S. Postal Service the rest of his life. Just kind of a quiet life, not really a, a, a big deal. If it, nobody would probably remember George, except he had his little uh, 15 minutes to make an impact. 15 minutes to make an impact. Some of you may know that on the ap afternoon of April 18, 1946, Jackie Robinson became the first black player to play professional baseball in the modern era. And in that game, that first game that Jackie Robinson played, he hit a home run in the third inning. He hit a home run over the left field fence. And as I said, a lot of controversy. First black athlete to, pray, to play in the uh, modern era of professional sports. George Shotgun Shuba was the on-deck batter. And you can see the picture. He got this, uh, somebody grabbed the picture. George uh, shaking Jackie Robinson's hand in a congratulatory, congratulatory uh, effort to kind of bridge the gap there and congratulate him. And, and uh, he said he was only... And that picture was splashed all over the, all over the sports pages in those days. And uh, George said he was only too happy to be recognized as the guy waiting for Jackie Robinson after his first home run to be able to shake his hand and uh, show a solidarity, show congratulations, show a bridge in the gap there, welcoming him into the major leagues. Now, it's an interesting thing. George Shotgun Shuba, 
um, before he made it to the Brooklyn Dodgers, he actually played in Mobile, Alabama. One of his, uh, one of his early fans was a young guy named Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron said that he used to go watch the Mobile Bears play, and George Shotgun Shuba was his favorite player when he used to go watch him play. And they asked him how he got his name. He got his name. There was actually, he got his name in Mobile. There was a guy there uh, named Bill Bingham. Bill Bingham worked for the Mobile Press, and he wrote an article uh, about uh, George Shotgun Shuba. And he started calling him Shotgun because he could spray hits everywhere. He, you know, some people are pull hitters. They hit just to right field or just to left field. But George had that ability to hit to all different fields. And Bill Bingham wrote that he had a um, swing that was natural as a smile, just had a natural swing. Well, he was interviewing George one day, and uh, George went over to a a filing cabinet, and he pulled out a sheaf of papers, and he carried that over to Bill Bingham, who wrote the article talking about how, what a natural swing that he had. And he showed him this piece of paper. On this piece of paper, it was a bunch of X's. And he told Bill Bingham, he said, I want to show you about my natural swing. Every day in the off-season, he would come home, he had, a, he had a wait, this is in the off seasons when they're, they're not playing. And in those days, if you were a professional baseball player, you had a job in the off season. There wasn't enough money for you, so he had a, a job in the off season. So he would come home from his job, and then he would take uh, 600 swings every day with that weighted bat. He would take that weighted bat, he would swing it 60 times, put an X down. Wait a few minutes, swing it 60 more times, put an X down. Until he got 10 Xs, 600 swings a day, every day in the off season. So George calculated that he had swung a 44-ounce bat 600 times a night, 4,200 times a week, 47,200 swings every winter. That's getting after it, amen? That's getting after it. And uh, George said, now how natural does my swing sound now? Well, the reason it was natural is because he worked hard. He really got after it. What I want to challenge you this morning is this. Lion chasers get after it. They look for opportunities to glorify Jesus. They look for opportunities to love somebody. They look for those, remember what we said a lot was God-ordained opportunities to love God and love somebody else. And I think sometimes too many of us have this idea of we're kind of out of back away. If we have to, you know, chase those opportunities, we will. But we live too much of a fear-based Christianity, not enough of a, I'm going to get after it, Christianity. Uh, man, these opportunities that God has put in front of me, the God of the universe put those opportunities in front of me. So we want to get after those because, listen, guys, this is the only day we've got them. Once we die and go to heaven, we don't have these kind of opportunities anymore. There's no witnessing in heaven. Everybody's saved. There's no praying in heaven. Jesus is right there. There's no sharing the love and message of Christ with those who don't know him in heaven because they're not there. This is the hour to get after it. And so this chase the lion thing really is moving from a fear-based, timidity-based kind of faith to a kind of faith that the, Christ, that the New Testament knows, which is what? Very courageous. Moving from a timid type of Christianity It's really foreign to the New Testament. You don't see that much in the New Testament to a bolder, more courageous kind of Christianity. And here's what it looks like. In fact, a couple of years ago, I asked some guys, what does it look like to grab God opportunities in our day? And I asked a bunch of y'all. 
And I got answers like it would mean witnessing more. It would mean speaking up for Jesus more. It would mean praying with my family more, having family Bible reading and worship time in our homes. It would mean uh, being bolder at my workplace about Jesus, maybe saying the blessing, asking other people they want to say the blessing with me. Uh, For some people, it means giving more, uh, looking for ways to bless somebody else. For some people, it might be giving your one-word testimony. It might be singing a solo in church. It might be going to Sunday school. But listen, guys, what I want to ask you today is, what is your lion? What are you chasing? What is it? What are the God opportunities that God's put in front of you? And are you willing to say this week, I'm going to get after it. Everybody say, get after it. I'm going to get after it. So today we read a verse about a guy that you think you know. It sounds like we know him, but we really don't. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 30. Now, in 2 Samuel 23, there's a list of David's mighty men. These are mighty warriors. These are his bodyguard. These are guys that, humanly speaking, and we know God did it, these are guys that God used to get David to the throne and protect him while he was on the throne. And we got Benaiah, a Pirithonite. This is not Benaiah who killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Different guy. There's two Benaiahs. Man, how would you like to be the second Benaiah? <laughs> how many times do you think somebody came up to him and was like, dude, man, I heard about you killing that lion in the pit on a snowy day. That was awesome. He's like, that wasn't me. <laughs> the other guy, that was Lion Ben. He's the guy with the lion, not, not he told the story. He, that was Lion Ben. I'm Pirate Ben from Pirithonite. <laughs> so you got Pirate Ben and you got Lion Ben. And the thing is, we don't know anything that pirate Ben did but he did something because he was in the mighty men right he did something I don't know maybe maybe he killed a bobcat on level ground on a hot day <laughs> well maybe not quite as big as Benaya the lion killer maybe uh, he did something wasn't quite as big as, as that guy you know but here's the thing what I want the reason I'm bringing Benaya the pirate pirate out and you know that's just my name for him um, is because Not every God-ordained opportunity looks like a lion in a pit on a snowy day, right? Some of them are much more ordinary. Some of them are other people not going to hear about. And it doesn't matter. We don't need to know. I'm glad they don't let let Benaiah, or they don't put Benaiah's exploits in there because it helps us to say, everybody doesn't have to know about it. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be on the news. You don't have to brag about it to anybody else. Just follow your state in your lane. What's your, everybody has God opportunities. What's your opportunity to glorify God? I thought about the Derek Jeter commercial when I was working on this message. Y'all seen the the Derek Jeter commercial? Um, there's a commercial where there's a slow-pitch softball team and uh, they need a hit in the last inning and the coach says, Derek, get in and pinch hit. And another Derek stands up and he's like, not you, Derek Jeter. <laughs> I've always wondered, why is Derek Jeter playing Ben's slow-pitch softball? And why isn't he in the game? What's he doing on the bench that you got to bring him in to pinch hit? That's one good slow-pitch softball team right there <laughs> if you got Derek Jeter on the bench. I kind of feel like that's kind of way this Benaiah felt. I, you know, I'm, I'm a Benaiah, but I'm not the Benaiah. I'm not that guy. I'm not this famous guy, but I'm still somebody chasing after lions, going after the God opportunities. And so some of us can relate better to Pirate Ben. Now, here's what I want to show you, Ephesians 2.10. 
is that God has opportunities for you. Everybody say, for me. It really does. And I can show it to you from Scripture. For we, and we means all of God's people, right? All the people that are saved. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad you're a new person in Christ? So watch this. If you're a new person in Christ, what? We can do the good things He planned. Everybody say planned. For us long ago. When God saved you, He already had things planned for you from long ago. And so for you and me not to have God opportunities, that has to not be true. And we know Scripture's true, isn't it? <laughs> so if that Scripture's true and you're saved, that means we have these God opportunities. And, and the thing I want to see today is watch for yours. Don't worry about somebody else's doing. Don't worry about how big it is. Don't worry about what somebody else is going to say. Just go for your opportunities. I love the line, the Lion Chaser Manifesto. One of the lines that really hit me this week was the line that says, live for the applause, nail-scarred hands. Jesus sees it, right? He knows. He understands. He's the one that we're living for. He's the one that is making the opportunities. He's the one that is far, and nobody else has to know. Okay, so here's your weekly growth suggestion. Read chapter 10, your last chapter, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And I'm going to ask everybody that didn't read the entire book next week to stand up and explain. No, I'm not going to do that. But if you get a chance, finish your book, finish your book. Read chapter 10 in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. And read over the lion's chasers manifesto each day. And here's the thing I want you to look at. What lion, what's your opportunity to chase this week that nobody else may know about and nobody else may do it if you don't? Hey, nobody else is going to come get your car and do truck or treat with it tonight. That's your responsibility. You do, nobody else can smile at a child. There may be a visitor here that you know that nobody else really knows around here. That's why we want to get as many as we can. Why? Because the more people smile at folks and welcome people and greet people, the better experience they have with Jesus' people. So I want to talk about three things this morning about the unknown lion chases, the unknown people that are after the lion. So let me talk about three things about your lion, my lion. First of all, we've got to see the opportunities, right? You've got to see them before you can grab onto them. So I want to challenge you to see the opportunities. They're there. Notice I didn't say create. I said see, because what? God has planned them long ago. He already knows the opportunities he has for you. We've got to be aware of what we're seeing. I heard about a little boy in the first grade, maybe it's second grade, second grade. And he's learning about letters and different things like that. And they were beginning to think that maybe he needed some eyeglasses. You know, he was well, like, you need ear glasses. You know, you need glasses. He had a little trouble seeing the board and that kind of thing. And so he went to the, um, he went to the optometrist's office and they uh, put the letters on the board for him to read, you know, and it was an F, a Z, and a P. And he said, all right, you know, cover this eye. What do you see? And he said, consonants. <laughs> well, you got to recognize, recognize the opportunities, you know. Uh, when Joel was about that, uh, younger than that, he was before school started, we wanted to get his eyes checked. And so um, the dentist, I mean, the optometrist had him put a hand over one eye and said, what do you see? And Joel read off what he sees. He said, all right, now cover up the other eye and tell me what you see. And he went, nothing. <laughs> 
This is not the way we're living, guys, okay? <laughs> we want to look and see the opportunity, recognize the opportunities that are around us. Because here's the thing. God is at work all around us. Jesus said that in John 15, that my Father is always at his work. God is working, and he's created some opportunities just for you. Are we seeing them? Are we recognizing the God-ordained opportunities that are always around us? Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, in the contemporary English version, it says, God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are, lion chasers. Good News Bible says it this way. God has made us what we are. In our union with Christ Jesus, he has created for us a life of good deeds which he has already prepared for us to do. One more translation of the message. He created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. All right, so God's creating opportunities all around you for good works. He's the one created them, and so he's the one that gets the glory for them. And we know that the opportunities God creates are for his glory and for us to be able to share, what, the love and message of Jesus with those around, what more important task that you and I might have than that. Now, Benaiah, he had a God moment or two, didn't he? Killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day, pretty big God moment. Uh, killed two lion-like creatures from Moab, lion-like men from Moab. Had one guy, big old guy, and um, you know all, all Benaiah had was a staff. This guy had this huge spear, and Benaiah snatched his spear out and killed him with. That's a God moment, right? You're outmatched, outweaponed, and all that kind of stuff. So that's what that's what lion Benaiah did. We don't know what pirate Benaiah did. And I don't know what your opportunities are. You don't know what my opportunities are. But Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Being watchful and thankful. See, I think what we have to do to see the opportunities is to live in prayer mode. Right? To live in prayer mode. To pray each day, Lord, show me the opportunities that you are creating. I used to pray, God, bring me opportunities. I don't pray that as much. It's okay to pray that. But, you know, since God's always at work, I just got to believe God has already created the opportunities. What I pray more now is not God make opportunities for me. God, help me see the opportunities you're making. He's already made them. We got to see. I got to live in prayer mode. And living in prayer mode is kind of like, and not living in prayer mode, it's kind of like the difference between dial-up and DSL or broadband internet. Now, for those of you who don't have internet, I think you can understand the idea. Years ago, we used to have something called dial-up internet. That's when we used dinosaurs to plow the fields. <laughs> dial-up internet, you actually had to, your computer used your phone line. And it would, you could hear it dial, it would dial, there'd be a pause, it made this really irritating, scratchy sound, and then you were on, okay? You're on the internet, so you can check your email and you can do things like that. But <laughs> you're usually only on for five or ten minutes, it's going to kick you off. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Somebody else calls in or something like that, and it kicks you off. Because you're actually using the phone line. You're actually using a phone to call in. And so, you call, but when you finish, you get off. Well, in case you want to use the phone, somebody want to call, call in. So it's spotty. You're just on when you sit down and dial in. 
DSL, what we have today, when you open, if you have, a, if you have some kind of internet at your house, when you open the computer, if you have it set up right, it just automatically logs in. Just logged in all the time. You don't have to do anything. It's just, it's just, you're automatically searching, you know, you're automatically on the internet. You're automatically getting emails and all that kind of stuff. It's being downloaded. You see, when you live in prayer mode, you're sensitive to the opportunities all the time. Dial up, you're just like, well, I'm at church. Maybe there's an opportunity here somewhere or another. Or maybe I'm going on a mission trip. There's an opportunity there. Maybe I'm going to youth group. Maybe there's an opportunity there. That's dial up. We don't want to do dial up. We want to be on broadband. We don't want to be on DSL. What? Looking for opportunities every minute of the day. Prayer mode helps us to see them. Because here's the thing. If you only check in with God at church in your quiet time, you're going to miss an awful lot. I'm going to miss an awful lot. That's the only time I'm really tuned in to God. We want to have that constant connection with the Lord. Batterson writes that these opportunities, these God-ordained opportunities, they tend to show up at the most inopportune time in the most inopportune place. Anybody ever see that? <laughs> you're in a hurry. You don't really feel like you have time for it. You're not ready for it. You hadn't studied for it. You hadn't got ready for it. All of a sudden, this opportunity pops up. That's why we need to live, last week, what I said, with a go attitude. I'm going for it. I'm after it. God has put this in my life. And God's opportunities, what? Supersede all other opportunities in my life if I'm living the way I should be living. You see, a lot of times they come disguised. Never recognize them. I'm sure Benaiah didn't see that line and think, oh, boy, it's a great opportunity to do something for Jesus here. <laughs> you know, probably wasn't like, oh, what in the world? See, sometimes your God opportunity is going to look like your spouse coming home having had a bad day. Spouse comes home, they've had a bad day, they're stressed, something didn't go right, um, boss got onto them or whatever, but they come home stressed, mad, irritated, aggravated, kind of taking it out on you just a little bit. You didn't have anything to do with it. And you can do one of two things. One is you can say, hey, why don't you just go out and get happy and come back in? By the way, that works very, very well if you're married to somebody. That's, I would try, try not to do that one. Or you can say, you know, God put us together as husband and wife. And my spouse is having a bad day today. They're irritated, aggravated. And this is my God opportunity to love them like Jesus does. You're most grateful for Jesus' love when you're at your worst, aren't you? <laughs> well, that's how we ought to be with each other, right? Sometimes that God opportunity might be your child coming home having had a bad day, right? And you want to say, okay, look, I can make give you something to be sad about, you know, or you can say, okay, here's a God opportunity for me to demonstrate the love of Christ. It may be running into a friend that you haven't seen in a long time, and instead of just thinking, oh, it's really kind of nice to catch up, maybe God wants you to say something to them. Maybe just ask them how things are going at their church. Or maybe say, hey, if you don't have a good church, feel free to come and be a part of church with us at Hopewell. It may be something like that. It may be that uh, you, you had a terrible day at work. You had a terrible day at work. Things are going wrong. Things are bad. And it's your what? It's your opportunity to shine for Jesus. It's your opportunity to have joy and have peace and speak well and praise God in the midst of a hard day. And people say, why, why aren't you griping like you usually do? And just like, well, you know, God's really been good to me. God's really been good to me. I want to honor and please him. See, you've got to be constantly asking 
God, how do I glorify you here? How do I love somebody here? How do I share the message of Christ right here? Look for those opportunities. Grab those opportunities. Watch. Ask God, give me the eyes to see. I heard about a guy named Pablo Castles. He was one of the best cellists of his time. He actually, um, when he was as a young man, he got a chance to play the cello for Queen Victoria. And when he was 80, that's when he was 23, when he was 86, he got a chance to play for President John F. Kennedy. He died when he was 96 years old. He was still practicing three hours a day. He's one of the best in the world. He's played for Queen Victoria in his 20s, John F. Kennedy in his 60s, in his 90s, I mean his 80s, when his 90s, he's still practicing three hours a day. And somebody asked him, why are you practicing three hours a day? He said, I'm beginning to notice a little improvement. <laughs> the more opportunities you go after, the more you're going to improve at getting. The more you're going to improve at making the most out of. Go after all of them. Don't just wait for one. Grab all of them. So first of all, we've got to see them. Secondly, secondly, we've got to size them up. <laughs> Once you start seeing them, the next thing you've got to do is try to decide, okay, is this God or not? Is this, God, is this really a God opportunity here? You've got to evaluate, is this opportunity something that God is doing and put it in front of me? I'm sure that if I'd have been in Benaiah's shoes and I've seen a lion going in a pit on a snowy day, my first thought would have been, I think that's the devil right there. He's called a roaring lion. And the Bible rebuke you. You know, I don't know that I would have seen. I don't know what I would have sized that up. I don't know what I thought that was just the kind of thing that God would have for me to do. Because here's the thing. Many opportunities don't look like opportunities. They look like problems. They look like scary things. They look like difficult. They look like people that are aggravating and things like that. And so we have to look and say, Lord, help me to see the opportunity. Let me give you three questions to kind of help us to see, to look at, size up these opportunities. First question is, how do I glorify God and demonstrate my love to Him? What do I do here? What do I do here? In this situation, things are going bad at work. Spouse had a bad day and she's come in. Kids are going through a tough time. Whatever it is. Uh, maybe I'm sick and I, and I need to do something with the Lord. What do I do here that helps me and the people around me see how wonderful Jesus is? See, we use that term glorify God and sometimes I don't know if we really think that's a religious word. But what we're trying to help people do what we're trying to help ourselves do is to point out how great God is look at the wonderful thing that God has done hey when's the last time you came home and said to your family God did the coolest thing today it's the coolest thing he showed me in my quiet time coolest opportunity I had to talk to somebody so how do I glorify God second question how do I love others with Jesus's love and we're talking about things that maybe look like problems, they look like uh, difficulties, but we want to see, is there a God opportunity here? So is there a way I can love somebody here? Like I said, your spouse with a bad day, your kid with a bad day, your workmate's having a bad day, whatever it is. Uh, look, sometimes people are hard to get along with. Maybe they're moody, maybe they're irrational, maybe they're, 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 they're just hard to get along with today. And how many of you know that's you on some days? Right? Some days it's your spouse. Some days it's you. And we just need to be able to say, Lord, I want to love with your love right here. The third question is helps us size them up is, how do I help somebody else know about Jesus here? How can I help somebody else know about Jesus? Is there a way to connect what's happening with the gospel? 
boy, it almost always is. There's almost always, and that's why I said, grab every opportunity you can. The more you grab, the more you go after, the better you get at being able to connect this situation with the gospel. It's almost always an inroad. There's almost always an on-ramp to the gospel with what's going on in and around your life. So now, probably most of you recognize what I did there. I took our mission statement and broke it down in three questions. The mission of Hopewell Baptist Church is to glorify God by having a great commitment, the great commandment, great commission, right? And so what do I do? Glorify God, great commandments, love another, glorify God to point people to see how wonderful Jesus is. Great commandment, we love each other like we love ourselves and love God. Great commission, we tell everybody else about Jesus. So I just took your mission statement, broke it down in three very simple questions and said, this is how we size up the God opportunities around us. Mark Batterson said one of the things that God opportunities that doesn't look like one that he saw was when his dad was diagnosed with cancer. And Batterson's dad went through some tough times. He, this is what he writes. He said, my dad went six rounds with chemo, and he walked away with a clean bill of health. He has a few battle scars for sure, but he fought a good fight. And I love what he said. He said, I love my dad even more after his fight against cancer because I know he wasn't just fighting for himself. He was fighting for my mom. He was fighting for me and my brother. And he was fighting for his grandchildren. Fighting to stay alive, to point people to Jesus. Listen, guys, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to point somebody to Christ. I heard about a wealthy businessman that was eating in a restaurant and he got something caught in his throat. And he couldn't breathe, and he's choking. And there was also a doctor there in the restaurant, saw what happened, and he ran over there, did the old Heimlich maneuver on him, and uh, the wealthy businessman was, of course, very appreciative, very glad, very grateful that the guy saved his life. He's like, dude, man, you saved my life. I want to give you a little something for doing that. How, I mean, how much, how much should I give you for saving my life like that? And the uh, doctor said, about half of what you would have given me while you were choking. <laughs> just think about when you were choking you thought you was going to die what would you have given then give me half of that that'd be good say look at this guy this is a great opportunity look for the great opportunities that God's putting before you so first of all we see them secondly we size them up and thirdly we seize we grab on we grab the opportunities and we run with it for Jesus sake listen guys Ephesians 5 16 says make the most everybody say most of every opportunity in these evil days. Yes, yeah, it's, it's evil days. It's tough times. Hard things are going on. But are you willing to tune in to Jesus? Willing to tune in to God and say his opportunities are the best ones possible. Now remember, fear is going to try to steal it from you. Satan's going to try to distract you. Uh, somehow he's going to try to make you think, oh, just pray, think about it. You know, God will do something pretty cool. But I'm saying today, no, you got to get after it got to go after it. That God provides them and he gives us the strength and the wisdom and the ability to see them. We've got to go after it. I love what um, uh, well, one guy said. He said, pray like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on you. And you can't just pray like everything depends on God. You also got to work like everything depends on you. you got to get out. There's some energy involved here. There's some things that you have to take a step of obedience. You actually have to say something, go somewhere, give something, be something, forgive somebody. It is that grabbing that opportunity saying this is something that God put here. 
And I want to make the most of it because what? Because of what Jesus has done for me. Didn't Jesus grab a big opportunity for you? Amen? I mean, where would you be if Jesus had said, I'm not really into crosses. Not really into pain. Not really into floggings. Not really into that kind. I mean, just think about where would we be if Jesus had said, like I'll pass on that one. It's a little hard. It looks a little, it's outside my comfort zone. It's not really my gifting. I, you know, I cross things not really. I, I like the healing thing a little bit better. See, all of this is about making Jesus the center of attention, making Jesus the hero, showing Christ by our lives that we truly do love him. I heard about a guy, uh, in fact, James Clear, uh, broke this story in his book on atomic habits. He wrote about a guy named Jerry Ulsman, who was a professor at the University of Florida. He's a photography professor at the University of Florida. And he, he, he did this in one of his photography classes. He broke them up into two groups. And this group over here, all right, y'all group one, you ready? This group over here, he said, you're going to be graded on quantity. If you have 100 decent photographs, you get an A. You got 90, you get a B. You get 80, you get a C, 70, you get a D. If you don't make 70, you fail. All about quantity, decent photographs. And then over here, y'all are quality, quality photographs. And he said, I only want one, but it's got to be near perfect. One photo, all you got to do, got the whole semester, all I want is one near perfect photograph from you guys. And so the semester went on. These guys are taking all the pictures they, they, they can, you know, doing all that. These guys are thinking about it, talking about it, batting around ideas, batting around, you know, different views of what makes a good photograph, that kind of thing. And he said, all of the good photographs came from this bunch. And he said the reason why was they were doing it. Their trying to get one perfect. And so, I mean, they're talking, thinking, they're, they're trying to get this one foot, so they just kind of focus on that one photograph. These guys are taking a bunch of photographs, and they're learning, and they're doing it in the dark room, they're developing their pictures, they're looking at the lighting, and they're trying to correct it, and they're trying to do things better. The more they did, the better they got. The more they just thought about it, and talked about it, and studied, and read, didn't really help a whole lot. What's the message for us? The way we improve as servants of Jesus is we get after it. We look and we say, Lord, fill my heart with your love. And Lord, help me to give it away to the very next person I meet. And then you look for a way to do that. And then you look at the next person, and the next person, and at Walmart, at the doctor's office. You see, if, you, if you're on dial-up, most of your opportunities to really grab on to something God has for you is not going to happen at church. Some of them will, but a lot of them's going to happen at work and at home with your friends on Friday night and at the doctor's office and at Walmart of all places, right? These are the places where we need to be in DSL. These are the places we need to be in prayer mode saying, Lord, is there something or something? Somebody here, is there an opportunity here that you want me to grab onto? Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. This morning, are you willing, you, that's why I like Benaiah the Pirithonite, because we don't really know what all he did. He's not the famous guy, he's not the well-known guy. 
He's the guy in the back. He's the guy unseen. He's the guy that nobody puts on the front page of the paper, doesn't get his picture taken. He's a lot like a lot of us, a little more average. Now, he's one of David's mighty men, so he's really not average, but he's the guy that's getting after it. And so this morning, as we come close to the end of this series on chasing the lion, this week, I want to really challenge you. What's your lion? Don't worry about Benaiah. Don't think about what somebody else is doing. Don't worry about how hard somebody else is chasing that. Don't you wish that your kids or your spouse or somebody. No, no, no. Are you, seriously, so in love with Jesus that you want to show somebody else how wonderful he is? So in love with Christ that you want to take advantage of the opportunities that he, from ages ago, made a way for you to have. And so today, the day is go, the go attitude. Your life, your situation, your heart. What will you do this week? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. I pray for those who've never been saved, Lord, that they would give their, this is their opportunity, Lord, give their life to you. I pray for those who have heavy burdens and need to lay them down this morning. And I pray for every one of us, Lord. It's so easy for us to get kind of swamped in our work and busy with our schedules. But, Lord, nothing is too more important, and we should never be too busy for you and for what you have planned for us. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm going to play some soft music from the back this morning. If you need to come kneel at an altar and pray, surrender something to the Lord, feel free to do that. If you want me to pray with you, show you how to be saved, you need to join this church, I'll be glad to talk with you about that. Um, if you just need someone to pray with you, be glad to do that. But would you respond to Jesus while the music plays? This is our time of commitment this morning.